Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Pirkei Avashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. Good morning, everyone. We're in chapter two, Mishnah six. Very fascinating Mishnah. Mishnah says, that he saw a gugolus, a skull that was floating on the water. And he said to it, because you drowned someone, you drowned. And in the end, the ones who drowned you are also going to be drowned. It's a very difficult Mishnah to understand. First of all, the whole story says, Darshuni, explain me. What, what does it mean? Did he, if, why tell a story? If you're trying to teach me the principle of Midah, can I Midah measure for measure? Trying to tell me what goes around, comes around. Why are you telling me a story? Tell me the principle. Tell me an idea. Can you imagine? Hill's walking along the street and he sees a skull in the river, drowned, floating. He picks up the skull and he has a conversation with the skull. <laughs> what? A conversation with the skull? What's he talking to the skull for? You know, what, what's really amazing is, is that there is one person in the world that knows exactly why this skull was killed. The skull. <laughs> so he was there. Right? The, the person knows, knows what happened to him. So why is Hill talking to him? He's explaining something to him? What's he explaining to him? He doesn't need the explanation. He's got it all. He knows it. Plus, how do you know because you see a skull floating in the river that it was murdered and that it was a murderer? Not every murderer is murdered. Some die of old age in their beds. And not every murder victim was himself a murderer because we go back to the very first murder in the Torah. Go back to Havel. Havel was a murder victim. He didn't murder. So what was, that, what was the assumption that Hill was making when he saw him and he said, oh, because you're a skull floating, you murdered, and therefore so, you know, somebody, somebody who murdered you, is, you've been murdered, and somebody who murdered you is going to be murdered also. What does that mean? The whole concept of, of mida kinegimida, measure for measure, is a difficult concept. It's not always apparent what, what measure for measure is. What's the message Hill's trying to send us? So first of all, I think that you have to look at the mission very, very carefully. The mission doesn't say that he saw a dead body and he was commenting about a dead body. The Mishnah says that he saw a gulgoles achas tzofa. He saw a severed skull floating in a river. He saw it lying there as a derech bizayon. He saw it lying there in a degraded way. We know that when there is a degradation to a body, that there's something, something more that's happening, something you have to look at and something you have to, you have to recognize and analyze. 
Hillel looks at this and he says, if you're not given a proper Jewish burial, then there was some tragedy or something was going on. And Hillel wasn't talking to the skull. Hill was talking to his students. And he was trying to teach a message to his students. It's the case. Just by looking at that, he understood that there was that there was something terrible going on here. Just by seeing that dead person floating, he knew that this was not normal. And he knew that this was something that he needed to understand and that he needed to teach about. When he picked up that Gulgolas, he wasn't talking to the skull per se. He was talking to his students and he was explaining to them a principle of life. You know, we've spoken a lot about the concept of setting rules for judgment in your world. That we set the rules of the way God judges our world. We talked about it in the context of giving the benefit of the doubt, that if you give the benefit of the doubt to the others, then God gives you the benefit of the doubt. In other words, that God treats your world the way you treat it. And that the, the principle is really called, that the way that a person measures, that's the way God measures for him. And that principle is a very, very wide, very important principle. And what it means is, is that the rules by which you operate in your world, that's the way your world is judged. That's the way your world is run. I'll give you an example. You know, it says that the Jerusalem was only destroyed only because we were that they, they, they kept their laws on the laws of the Torah. What that meant was is that they judged very tightly in Yerushalayim. Now, you would think that that would be a good thing. That being mamid, the law, establishing the law on the laws of the Torah, you would think would only be a great thing, that you're very tight, you're very precise, you're very careful. But the problem is, is that they were overly careful. That they were so tight, they were so rigid, that there was no room to operate within the law. There was no mercy in that law, there was only judgment, there was only din. And there is room, there's room to be able to look at something and to take in an entire picture, to be able to understand something for for what it really is. But they didn't do that. They were very rigid, very tight. And therefore Jerusalem was destroyed because God treated us that way also. God looked at us and said, look, now is a time when I can look at you with mishpat, I can look at you with din, I can look at you in very tight parameters, or I can bend a little bit, but you don't bend. And if you don't bend, then how am I supposed to bend for you? Because you set the rules of how do we judge in your world? We judge without bending. Then I will judge you without bending. And that's why Mishpat was leveled against the Jewish people. There was no Rachamim. What happened to Rachamim in the time of the destruction of the temple? What happened to mercy? Why didn't God show us his mercy? Because we took that away in our world. We built a world of din. There's another example that they give. Rabbi Yudah Nasi, Judah the Prince, suffered many, many years in his life. We're going to talk about this later on in the Mishnah, but later on in the, in, in the chapters. But Rebbe suffered tremendously, and he began to suffer after the following incident. He was giving a shear, and a calf ran into the shear room, and it buried its head under, its, under his garments. And he shooted away, by saying to it, go look, go do what you have to do. Go to the slaughter. In other words, 
Well, you're trying to hide. You're trying to, to run under my coat thinking that you're not going to get slaughtered. Your job is to be slaughtered. Go do your job. Go get slaughtered. And that's the way he shoot it away. And from that moment on, he suffered tremendously. The Talmud tells us that he stopped suffering some 13 years later after his maidservant was once his maid was, was cleaning the house and there were weasels in the house. And she took a broom and she was smacking the weasels, right? The, the, the original whack-a-mole, right? Kind of game. She was sitting and smacking the weasels. And, and he looks at her and he goes, oh, look, don't smack the weasels. And that was the turning point. Now, why that was the turning point will be for another time. But, but Rabbi Yehuda Nasi suffered because he said to this calf, Go do your job. Why would he suffer Yisurin? Why would he suffer bodily, physical things? Because he said to a calf to go do its job. What is the job of a calf? The job of a calf is to be slaughtered. That's the job of a calf. So why would, why would, he, have, why would he suffer from this? What did Rabbi Yehuda Nasi say to the calf? Do your job. Do what you have to do without considering in any kind of way, without understanding, without considering what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. Just your job is just to do. And, and it doesn't matter whether you understand. It do, don't worry about things. Just put your head down and do it. What are Yisurim? Yisurim are God's way of talking to us. And the Rabbi Yudha Nasi without understanding, without knowing why, he would have to, he would have to try to, 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 to think about it. He would try to have to, 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 to intellectualize it some way, but in essence, he would have to accept it and accept the Yisurim, accept them as, as an act, as God's love, as God's concern and God's care, and just continue moving on in his life. It wasn't because he said this to a calf, per se, that was the reason why he suffered that way. It's because what was the message? What was he saying to the calf? What rule was he creating in his world? Just continue to live even if you don't understand life. And that's what he was dealt with. He was dealt a hand that he had to live through life without actually being able to understand and come to terms with what was going on with him. We find the same thing by Lashon Hara. When a person speaks Lashonara, he gets tsaras. He gets the stuff growing on his hand. Now, what in the world is the mida connected, mida measure for measure between Lashonara and getting diseases on your hand? I could imagine that the mida connected, mida, the measure for measure for Lashonara would be you speak Lashonara, your tongue blows up, which is what happens to a saita, a woman who's a suspected adulteress. If she is, in fact, an adulteress, when she goes up on the temple and she drinks, the, and she drinks the, the potion, she drinks this drink, and she is guilty. So then she starts to explode, and the explosion of her body begins from the Makam Erva, from the place of where she committed the crime of adultery. And by Lashonor, you would imagine that it would be exactly the same thing. Then let it start from the place of the, of the real crime, which is the mouth. Why on the skin? Why on all those? Because it's got nothing to do with wear. It's got nothing to do with the leprosy. It's got nothing to do with the white plights. What it has to do with is what it causes. The Torah says when you get that, where do you go? You go outside the camp. Yasha Badad, you have to sit alone, and you're completely disconnected and separated from everybody else around you. That's what you did when you spoke Lashon Hara. 
When you spoke Lashon Hara, what you did is you destroyed the character of a person, you separated them from their community, and therefore your suffering is midah kineged midah, measure for measure. It's got nothing to do with the place. It has nothing to do with the thing, with the item per se. God's way of defining measure for measure is looking at the essence of what did you do? What was the crime that you did? The crime of Lashon Hara wasn't speaking Lashon Hara. The crime of Lashon Hara was your dis. You're, you're, you're dismissing of another human being. Your separation of another human being from his life. That was the crime of Lashon Hara. And therefore the Mida Kineged Mida goes to the crime. Rabbi Yudha Nasi, it wasn't the, the fact that he said a little coldly to a calf, look, go get slaughtered, buddy. That wasn't his sin. That wasn't a crime. The crime was the attitude that he had to life. And that's what he was suffering, Mida Kineged Mida, measure for measure. That's the way we understand this concept. When Hillel saw this, and he saw this skull, a severed skull, no body, no skin, just a skull, a severed skull. That was so, so terrible to him that there was no, that there was, he wasn't given a burial. You know, just as an aside, when we bench, there are four brachos that we say during Berchat Amazon. The first three blessings that we say are biblical blessings. The fourth blessing of Atov Vahametiv, of God is good and he does good, is a rabbinical blessing. And our rabbis tell us in Tractate Brachos that why was that blessing instituted in Berchat Amazon? That blessing was instituted because of the Haruge Beitar, because the people that were killed in the city of Beitar, that after they were killed by the Romans, they sat in the, there was an enormous bloodbath. And it was an enormous amount of Jews that were slaughtered. And they were lined up, they were piled up as, as, as bodies, they were piled up as walls, six thick. And the blood that was spilled was able to, for seven years, was able to, to, to fertilize all the fields around Beitar. Talmud is trying to tell us that it was, it was an awful and an incredible, an, an incredible event that took place. So why do we make the brach of Atov because eventually they were given proper Jewish burial and they were not, they did not decompose in the, in, in having sat in the sun for so many days. We understand that there was a din, there was judgment. They died, they were slaughtered, they were murdered. But at least they were given Jewish burial. At least they didn't decompose. At least there was no bizoyon hames, there was no degradation of the dead. And that in itself was considered a huge thing. That in itself was considered something, something very important. Because being given a proper burial, that's something that was critical. Hillel looks at this skull and he knew, knows that there was something terrible that happened here. And he understood that the din was not done. Until this skull would be buried in the ground, the judgment for this person was not completed. That this person was still suffering, so to speak. This person was still going through, as, as a soul, was still going through the trauma of his death, was still going through the judgment of his death, because his body had not yet been able to be put in the ground. And he looks at it and he says, why would a person suffer that kind of way? Perhaps, says Hillel, not because he murdered. When he used that language, because you caused somebody to drown, you drowned, he wasn't being specific. 
but he was saying that you're a murderer. What, what, what's the root of a, of a, there are so many, but one of the roots of a murder and a murderer is somebody who simply does not understand the value of life. Lay Sirtzach in the Ten Commandments, don't murder, is right across from Anoichi Hashem I'm the Lord your God. On the first, the, on the Ten Commandments, there were two columns. On the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. On the sixth commandment, lay sirzach, don't kill. And the two of them are crossing each other because if you don't understand the, that everything comes from God, so then you don't understand the value of a human being. A person who murders, a person who does, who does crimes like that is a person who simply doesn't understand what the value of life is, what the purpose of life is, what they're meant to be doing and living in their life and accomplishing in their life. Hillel looks at a fellow who has not yet been buried, and he says that you had a problem in your lifetime. You didn't understand what your life was for. And therefore, even in your death, you're still suffering this. Even in your death, you're still going through this trauma of living a life that was meaningless, of living a life that was empty, living a life that you didn't understand what you were there for. Because we get the Olam Haba, as we've spoken about. We get the Olam Haba that we created in Olam Hazeh, that we created in this world. And this was a guy who didn't understand the value of Olam Hazeh, of this world, and therefore didn't find the proper resting in the next world. He looked at the Golgolas, he looked at the skull. It was just the skull, it was just the housing there was no brain. There was nothing inside. There was no pneumius. It was all chitzonius. It was all external things. That's the way the guy lived his life. And he looked at him and he said that if you lived your life empty like this, so then that's the reason why you died a death that you died. That's the reason why this has happened to you. Because unfortunately you didn't understand while you were alive what the value of life was. And the people that took your life, they don't understand it either. The people who caused you, who were part and part of your existence, your empty existence this way, they don't understand it either. And until we talk to that skull, until we get this through our skulls, until we understand this, then life will continue to go from generation to generation. It will go and be empty. Because if all we see is just skulls, if all we see is just external things, all we see is just chitzonius, then we will never understand the real purpose and the value of things. Hillel wasn't trying to say he knew what the guy did. He had no idea what the guy did. But he knew what he could learn from that. He knew that there was that the guy, whatever he did, Whatever crime he did to cause this terrible, horrific kind of, of, of meaningless death had to be because at the end of the day, this guy didn't understand his life. And therefore, we need to learn a lesson from that, says Hillel. We need to understand how to, understand, how to, how to recognize that there has to be a value in life. There has to be a purpose. You know, I said in the beginning of this whole corona thing, no idea. I gave it actually a very, a very, very beautiful muscle that you imagine that a person who, it says that Peronius only come to the world. Suffering only comes to the world so that the Jewish people can see the suffering and learn something from it, which is itself like a huge, it's, it's a huge principle. 
But, but what does that mean simply? So imagine a foreigner goes to a country and there's somebody saying, telling them a message to the countrymen. And he's speaking in Yiddish. Who's he speaking to? If it's not a Yiddish-speaking country, he's certainly not speaking to the members of the country. He's speaking to the people that understand Yiddish. And he's shouting and he's screaming and he's talking. He's clearly not talking to them because they could never understand that. He's talking to the one that understands that language. He's talking to the one that speaks Yiddish. HaKadosh Baruch is calling out to us, but he's calling out to the world in Yiddish. That's what it means. The piranhas come to the world Things happen, but there are things that God, they're happening in the world so that we can understand them. They're talking in our language. What, why they're happening? Not a clue. The, the level to which the, the, the Jewish, the, I mean, the whole world, but, but the, the decimation in the Jewish community, I'm not even sure that everybody's fully aware of it. Unfortunately, last week, a member of our congregation, a very, very dear friend of mine, passed away because of corona. Very, very clear. No idea. No idea what, 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 why he died. It's very, it's very close to home for me. But we look at it and we say, but there's, there's something to learn. Happens to be from this person's life. The, the thing to learn is how to live a life where every minute is filled with, with meaning. That, you know, that was a beautiful thing. But, but even by being separated and by being alone, Kodesh Baruch was telling us, he wasn't saying, I'm mad at you because I don't like the way, I don't like the way you treat your shuls. Now, a lot of people were saying that. That's not what it was. But what he was saying to us is, is that, okay, so now reassess the way you are in your shuls. Just reassess. I'm not going to tell you who's good or bad. Just reassess. That, that's the message that he's trying to send us. Look at it now and don't look at the externals. Now look at the, at the panemias, look at the inside. Your families, you were disconnected from your families. Everybody had to be alone. You were separated. Okay, so now reassess. What's family life like? What's the relationship with my parents, the relationship with my, with my siblings, the relationship with, 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 my, with my older kids? What, 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 is, what is that based on? What should it be? What can I do better? That's, that's what it means, you know, taking a message, living life with meaning. That's what Hill did. He saw this skull, and immediately he understood that this is just this is this is the this is the problem of life, of living superficially, of living only on the outside, of living looking only at the outside and not looking at the panemius, not looking at the inside, not looking at the real meaning and purpose. And he said to you that, and he said to the skull that as long and was really saying it to his students, as long as we live this way, then we're going to keep going. Generation after generation after generation, empty, 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 empty. We have to stop and look and talk to the skull. Talk to the skull. Talk to the emptiness and try to analyze it, understand it. Why is it so empty? How can I fill it with something meaningful? And I think that this was, this was Hillel's, Hillel's way of telling us this in a metaphor because if he would have said it straight up, in one ear, out the other. But when he paints this image of a skull floating in a river, 
And he looks at it and he says, I skull, you murderer. What he's saying, skull, you emptiness. You lived a life of emptiness. Your death is empty. It's empty. Halavai. We, we talk to the skull and we stop the emptiness. If we stop the emptiness, then life can be filled with meaning. If we just look at a skull and say, hmm, a skull, move on, then we've learned nothing from what's going on around us. I've been talking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about this, that, you know, in America, we're still, they're, they're just opening shuls now. They're, they're behind us a couple of weeks. And uh, in California, they haven't opened yet. The, and, I, and I've been, been sending a lot of messages, video messages, written messages, that, that we have Mamish, an incredible golden opportunity when the shuls reopen, a golden opportunity to completely redo ourselves. We have in our own lives, in our own lives, we have such an incredible opportunity to just redo ourselves now. To, you know, what, 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 what our time is spent on doing, what we find actually is meaningful. We don't need all the stuff that we've been doing. It's life is really much simpler than we make it. And all of that is just, it's just amazing what we have a chance. We saw the skull. We saw the shell, the external shell, and we have the opportunity to look inside of it and to say, hmm, what's really meaningful and important? And I think that that's the message that Hillel is telling us in this Mishnah. 